Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Welcome to Sporting Goss on this Wednesday morning. Big show in a moment. Trevor Nisbet will be joining us. The CEO of the West Coast Eagles will also be checking in with the Fremantle Football Club. Joe Bridey, the Dockers GM of footy. Pat Carberry's got some rides at Belmont. We'll check in with him. Georgie Parker for her regular segment. Adam Boges from the WA Cricket team, of course, preparing in their pre-season. Brianna Throssell's in Cairns in Queensland. She upstumped in early April. We'll be chatting with Brianna as she prepares for the next couple of weeks before she heads to Tokyo. Hamish Brayshaw joins us, West Coast Eagles waffle captain. And of course, we will be having your calls and your feedback. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Just hearing then in the news uh, with Alex Riddell. Thank you, Alex. 18 calls of 18 COVID cases, new ones in New South Wales, three Queensland, one in Victoria, and we are hearing four in South Australia. Watch this space. Just one in Victoria. We'll find out what's happening in WA, I'm sure, later in the morning. While we're in a bit of a lockdown mode, not so the racing industry. Of course, they do take great COVID measures in their preparation for Race meetings and a part of that race meeting today at Belmont Park, the nine race program, is Pat Carberry, who's in pretty good form and he's got a nice handy book of each way rides, I think, today. And he joins us on Sporting Goss. Paddy, uh, well, racing continues, which is fantastic news. Everyone sort of loves the, the fact is that the racing industry has never really stopped under COVID and, and you're a part of that circus today. Yeah, we've been really, really lucky, uh, Tim, with um, obviously this is. Uh, not the first time we've had a lockdown, but and yeah, you know, we have um, very strong protocols and uh, um, been very lucky that we've been able to keep our in- industry going. So it's been uh, obviously gives some some entertainment for the people that are stuck at home. So um, yeah, it's good. And great for the horses too to get out and do their thing, be exercised, be fed properly, be looked after and then have their fun on race day. Let's talk about your rides today. You've got four rides today and. They all look uh, good each way chances, as I mentioned in the intro. You're not my boy, Nettie, of Eddie, for Beck Nen. Uh, again, a horse that uh, having its just its second race start. What did you make of its first start? It wasn't too far from the winner, Forever Dreaming. Yeah, he ran well. He um, he got, got beaten for speed a little bit um, over the 1,200. Um, he's certainly going to be better suited uh, over the 1,400 today. Uh, I think it was just natural progression that uh, he's had a race start and um, had had some match practice. I think he should be a bit more switched on today. Um, he's a very big horse, but I don't think the wet track will worry him. He, he handled the wet track uh, at the trial as well. So I think he should be able to be a bit more on the speed today and um, hopefully uh, all things burn equally can figure in the finish. Probably should have asked you uh, before we asked you about your rides. What's the rail position today? I noticed the rail was a long way out 
the meeting the other day and, and what did it favour? If you're talking to the to the layman here on the radio this morning, where do you need to be in the run with the rail positions? Um, last week it was at 21 metres. This week it's at 11 metres for the midweek meeting. Um, it's a, bit, a little bit hard to say how the track will play. Um, it has been birdie drained this week, which sometimes can... Uh, favour on pace runners um, but sort of just have to see how it plays in the first couple of races and um, make an assessment from there. Some horses can um, can be ridden a little bit different if the bias is uh, towards the front but some horses are a little bit one dimensional and you have to ride them to their, to their strengths or weaknesses. Let's go to your next ride and that is on Completed who you rode for Jeff Pike last at. Absolutely got home strongly uh, from a long way back behind I think Greatness Awaits at Pinjarra. This is only a small field and one thing you'll be guaranteed with a horse like Tactical Ploy in the race, there's going to be some high speed. So if there is a run-on factor here, you, your horse could appreciate that. Yeah, I think my horse probably will appreciate the, the um, good tempo, if there is a good tempo, which looks to be, as you say, um, he's a horse that can probably race a little bit keen and when he does race keen, he doesn't tend to finish off that well. Um, last start, there was a strong speed and he hit the line well. He does have, um, his form isn't always that consistent, so hopefully he can string two good runs together because his run last start was really good. Certainly was, and speaking of good run, last start runs, that, that was Petrocity, of course. It was big odds for Heck McLaren and got home really nicely behind a, a nice horse in Amentius, of course, for Simon Miller. So I, I appreciate that it's a midweek race meeting and sometimes the winners are, are ex, uh, highly uh, uh, hidden here, but I would imagine you would be appreciating this race a dropping class. Yeah, big dropping class. It was his first run off a year um, and... Uh, he ran really well. He only got beat uh, just over two lengths. Um, he does like getting his toe into the ground, so the track today will suit him. Uh, he goes up a little bit in weight, but um, obviously the class drop will hopefully offset that. Uh, he hasn't won for quite some time, so hopefully he can um, drop back into this weaker grade and win, win a race and get a bit of confidence and go back to Saturday grade. Riding one for the uh, for the better half today, having its first start for Jess. Your wife, Jess Carberry, puts the polish on a horse called Suspectus. How long's the horse been in the stable, and, and what what's it been showing around the track? Um, he's been um, been at the property for probably about six months. He, he came from the previous trainer and had a break, and um, so Jess sort of started from scratch with him. He's got his few little niggling issues, like a lot of them, um, but uh, he seems to like being squirrelled and. Uh, <laughs> He gets get plenty of plenty of time spent on him. Um, I guess uh, I guess where he's getting time spent on him, I'm going <laughs> picking up the pieces and picking up the kids from school and all that. But it's all good. Hopefully, we can get a good result today. Um, the horse has been tracking really well. Um, he likes a bit of sting in the ground. He's yeah. won, won on a soft track before. So he's won first up before. So. Uh, I suppose if he goes well, we'll be having pizza. Otherwise, if he doesn't, we'll be having spaghetti on toast. <laughs> Another old spaghetti on toast, great man. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that. Four starts for two wins on the soft. You talk about first up form and second up form is also good. So if it's not a win today, one would suspect, suspect us, could probably be one to follow. Yeah, he's um, he's definitely a fresh horse and uh, he's certainly working really well. Um Jess has done a fair bit of the work work on him. Um, his early track work, and she rides him at home. I've had a few gallops on him, um, and uh, I suppose um, she's repaid 
repaid me for my track work and give me the ride today. So hopefully he can go well. Yeah, nice work. Hey, mate, just a quick one. You obviously uh, coming off that win at Belmont the other week uh, on in the Belmont Guineas with a horse that's close to your heart, and of course we're talking about She's a Charmer. What, what, where where do we see She's a Charmer next? Uh, this Saturday. Uh, yeah, she's in this Saturday. She's in the Belmont Oaks. Um, this will be her last run before she has a little break and um, hopefully gets ready for the for the summer carnival. Um, she's she's drawn uh, barrier one. Um, it's probably not that strong a field, but uh, it's probably her it's her first test over ground. Um, there's a couple in it that have got a bit of form that ha- are proven over the 2,000 metres, but I don't really have any concerns um, of her running over the 2,000. Uh, she's pulled up super from the guineas and um, looking forward to her hopefully getting a bit of luck in running and um, and repeating the dose of what she produced last Saturday. Four rides today, mate. they are all got some hope, I reckon. It will be interesting to see how the track plays. Races three, five, seven and eight. And I, but I must say, we have had 14 interviews on Sporting Goss from the racing industry. Trainers, jockeys, rainsmen, so from... from the cross code of harness racing and gallops and only one one jockey has failed to ride a winner or a double and that was Ryan Hill last week he was confident and didn't quite deliver you have a chance to bounce back what are your chances today uh, pressure's on I think I've definitely got some good each way chances um, yeah hopefully I can give him give him every chance and uh <laughs> Yeah, bounce back from Hilly's, Hilly's demise, but you never know, it might be two for two. Oh, no, nah, you'll be right, mate. Or you can gob off at him in the jockey's room too, just to remind him. Hey, mate, appreciate your time. So the best today, if we're having a, a little bit of a play, always gamble responsibly. If we're having a play on my boy, Eddie, completed, uh, Patrocity and or Suspectus, which one do the punters just have a little each way tickle on? Oh, the one I want to win is Suspectus, obviously, <laughs> but um, I think... I think Petrosity is probably um, the main one. He's, he's dropping a lot in grade from a strong Saturday grade to, um, you know, back into his own grade. Um, and hopefully he can uh, get, get up for Heck McLaren today. Yeah, good on you, mate. He's, a, he's fantastic, Heck. And good luck. Uh, you could be uh, in the doghouse if you uh, don't quite get it done with Suspectus today. But we're looking forward to seeing what the horse does, not just today, but going forward for yourself and, and your beautiful wife, Jess. Appreciate your time, mate. All the very best. And thanks for joining us on SEN Sporting Goss today. Thanks, He's a good man, Pat Carberry, and is a very good jockey. Don't worry about that. Simon Miller, he absolutely loves Paddy Carberry when he puts him on. And he uh, doesn't have a ride for him today, but I'll tell you what, I like his mounts today. Paddy Carberry on my boy, Eddie, completed Petrocity and Suspectus as well. And keep an eye on She's a Charmer in the Oaks on Saturday. Always stay with us, always gamble responsibly, and we always keep an eye on the harness racing and gallops industry. This is the Sporting Goss. That was pre-recorded earlier with Pat Carberry before he was heading across the road to Belmont Park for his rides today. Unfortunately, we've lost Trevor Nisbet. We hopefully will be chatting with him after the 10.30 news. A few technical problems here at the moment. Our technicians are doing their best and we will continue to bring you SENWA the best we possibly can. Joe Brighty is across there. He was a part of that Quick out and a quick exit of our WA teams yesterday. Joe is the Dockers General Manager of Footy. He's been kind enough to join us on SENWA. Joe, appreciate your time. Uh, we were chatting with Trevor Nisbet before we had a, a bit of phone trouble. It was, um, well, you had to up stumps very quickly yesterday. Yeah, thanks for having me, Goss. It obviously all happened very, 
very quickly um, after the, the Premier's announcement on Monday night, uh, working through a few things on how the game uh, for us against Carlton might look on Monday evening and then received a phone call on uh, on Tuesday morning at around 8 o'clock that uh, the AFL was working towards a flight and on Tuesday afternoon to get us out for obviously risk mitigating any potential further outbreaks in WA and we just couldn't get any guarantees on what the game would look like against Carlton and Optus Stadium. So obviously for the the season to continue moving forward, we had to up stumps, as you said, and, and move over to, to Melbourne yesterday afternoon. The teams have been able to settle in, tested last night and isolated and got our results back this morning and we'll have main training at uh, Marvel Stadium this afternoon in preparation for Sunday's game. So you have your results back and they're all, all hunky-dory? All clear, all clear, thankfully. All clear, play on, nice work. Uh, so train, train at Marvel, uh, what, so what, so... Just for our listeners and for, for me, just in regards to protocols, you're now just part of the Victorian community, are you? Yeah, so I obviously came in under what was there, considered their orange status. Um, so I just had to test and isolate and then able to obviously transition back into the community and follow their their protocols. So protocols at the moment are really uh, masks indoors and um, and outdoors when you can't socially distance. Uh, outside of that, it's, it's pretty normal over in Melbourne. When are you anticipating knowing where the venue's going to be? I know Simon Garlick uh, has spoken about this in regards to the Carlton game, whether it be in Launceston or GMHBA Stadium. Uh, when are you... I mean, not much you can do right now, but uh, are you expecting the phone to ring shortly? Yeah, working through the, the AFL this morning, just trying to work out what the, the scenarios look like. Obviously, um, from a scheduling perspective, looking at Geelong, but also uh, Tasmania, there's a fair bit to work through with the government, if the game was to be held down there, to ensure that we can obviously come into to Tassie. Um, so, yeah, hopefully have confirmation this afternoon and, and prepare for the game. We'd obviously be played um, no matter what on, on Saturday afternoon, but it's just um, finalising the venue and what that looks like. So, as you said, more than likely um, Geelong or, or in Launceston. This morning I woke up, saw a picture in the paper, and I saw the social media shot. It was a good, a great photo of both teams, the Eagles and the Dockers, on the plane. And it uh, seems as though uh, the media has, or one section of the media has magnified the photo of Matt Tabiner and also Jamie Cripps not having their masks on properly. Have you been spoken to yet by the AFL? Have you spoken to the players uh, in general in regards to the optics of that? I know it was a chartered flight, so no members of the public, and it was a photo that was posted on your socials. Have you had any feedback in regards to that photo and that vision and uh, what's the fallout from that? Yeah, I can't say we've received any further advice at this stage. Um, obviously, we've got a, a social responsibility, as anyone does in the public, to make sure that these things are, are obviously done in the right way and the right manner. Um, we make sure we're following all the protocols that are in place. So uh, at this stage, haven't had any conversations with anyone about uh, that circumstance, but obviously speaking with our staff and players to ensure at all times that they're, they're following the, the protocols that are necessary to keep everyone safe. Yeah, 100%. Uh, how many did you take? All but five. Who, what five got left behind? Were they the, virtually the injured crew, were they? Yeah, we've got some long-term injuries um, across our group. Sam Sturt, uh, Michael Frederick, Brennan Cox, and Heath Chapman, um, and, and Leno Thomas has been on some personal leave. So they're the five that have have stayed back in Perth uh, and taken the majority of the rest of our squad, obviously the short-term injuries and, and the guys that are fit and available. Because, um, look, at this point in time, we plan to be back after the Hawthorne game. But as mm-hmm. we know, with, with COVID and how the industry works at the moment, you just never know um, how things can change drastically. Going well, mate. The boys, fantastic uh, win over Collingwood. And you would love to have played the game here against Carlton as well.
But, gee, the, the, the way that the cards have fallen, you're right on the cusp of a spot in the eight, not just making the eight. You, you can really have an impact in this back half of the season. You've got the draw. You've uh, hopefully getting some troops, as you mentioned, some troops back, albeit Matt Tabiner's injury is not great timing. But uh, you must be very happy with the way the group's going. Yeah, look, it's really that, that continuity and body of work. And obviously, consistency has been a big thing for us. And we felt like the, the performance against Collingwood um, was probably one of the more consistent performances we've put in so far this year. So as you mentioned, look, a big game coming up this weekend against Carlton. We really can't look much further beyond that. Um, I obviously come off a, a win against Adelaide. Um, so we need to make sure that we're up and ready to go. Obviously, with Nathan, um, looks fit and available for this weekend's fixture, which is fantastic to have mm. him back. Um, we want to make sure that we obviously put together that four-quarter effort and um, it's been a, obviously an improvement with a young group and hopefully we can get some continuity with the 22 that go out each week because um, we've had some significant changes week to week over across the season. So if we can get that continuity, it be really important in terms of those on-field performance. Tough time for everyone in Australia. We're seeing Adelaide's got cases now, more cases in New South Wales, one in Victoria, three in Queensland, and the Premier, Mark McGowan, is doing a press conference here in in a couple of minutes' time. We'll be going live to that in a moment. Appreciate your time, Joe. Stay safe over there. All the very best, and let's hope we get some answers in regards to where that game's going to be played. But wherever it may be, let's hope it's a win for Frio. No worries. Thanks for having me, Tim. Good on. There's Joe Bright here, of course, said Dockers, GM of footy. So we are just moments away from going, of course, uh, to Mark McGowan. We'll get that up for you in a moment. So just repeating the news that uh, 18 cases in New South Wales, four in Adelaide, three in Queensland, one in Victoria. No word on Tassie at this stage. Looks like it's um, COVID-free. And Mark McGowan in a couple of moments' time. Just some news through Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks not returning. He's extended, hyperextended his left knee so uh, that is, uh, he's back on the bench. But unfortunately, with a quarter to go, it looks like it's going to be all tied up at two all. Are we permitted to get the news away now, if we are? So we can, uh, Alex, can we get the news away now? Let's get, take the news early. So then if we do that, we can probably go live to Mark McGowan, courtesy of the live stream. Here is the news on SENWA. Thanks, Judd. 87-68, early stages of the fourth quarter in the NBA clash between Atlanta, 87. Trey Young not playing and Giannis Antetokounmpo is benched. Milwaukee, 68. So it looks like going to two all. Roy, uh, thank you, Roy, a regular listener on SEN. Thoughts and prayers with the guys and girls in WA. Keep your heads up. Lots of Eagles fans here supporting the lads. And uh, also on the text line, hey, Goss, what were the tips for Belmont again? Well, he had four rides today. His best, he believes, is in race seven, Petrocity. Uh, he has my boy, Eddie, Patrick Carberry, I'm talking about, completed race five. They're all each-way chances, and he's hoping that Suspectus, which is trained by his wife, Jess, does really well because uh, he will certainly be either uh, eating pizza or spaghetti on toast. Now, as I mentioned, nothing wrong with spaghetti on toast. But his best for the day, if you are listening, for those who missed Paddy Carberry, was race seven, Petrocity, today. Uh, to good each way odds. We are planning to head across to the live stream. I'll be guided by the team here in regards to hearing from Mark McGowan. In the meantime, Ash Barty spoke last night. She had a win. Her first round win was against, uh, well, a seasoned campaigner and she got there in three sets. Here's Ash Barty. Uh, I think more than anything, it was a, it was a great battle. I mean, in that, 
the game where I was trying to serve out the match. I just missed a few too many first serves and Carla was able to take the game on and uh, and hit some incredible uh, returns. So I think we just we just kind of accepted that and moved on. And again, she played a great tie break. Um, she's a hell of a competitor, a hell of a fighter. And it was it was um, it was a privilege to be able to share that moment, share that court with her today because I, I hadn't had the opportunity to play Carla, and it was really special to be able to experience what she can bring um, from the other side of the court. So I think um, all all credit goes to her for for her uh, resilience and and her nature as a competitor to be able to come back from what come back from the adversity that she has um, and to be able to have that moment with her was was nothing shy of remarkable. And on that point, um, what did you exchange words at the end? Um, and it was very nice of you also, as, as would be expected, the way you applauded her off the court also. She she deserves nothing but the best. And I, I mean, I just said to her, it was a pleasure to, to share the court with you. Uh, and, you know, she's an exceptional person, uh, a great fighter, a great competitor and, and very well loved and respected in the locker room. And she's going to be sorely missed. And I, I just wanted to, to give her the appreciation that she thoroughly deserves. And um, the crowd was exceptional. They, you know, they gave her a remarkable reception as well as she's walking off the court. And um I kind of didn't didn't know what else to do. I wanted to I wanted to give her a hug and um, you know just say congratulations on, on a, an exceptional, remarkable career. Um, and I know she's still got a little bit to go, and and I wish her all the the very best. Carla Suarez Navarro, who has beaten cancer and returning to the tennis circuit, did a great job. Six one. It's not how you put tennis scores up, boys. Uh, six one. Did Barty lose the second set? She must have six seven six one. Is that correct? Okay, so you've typed it up incorrectly. Is that you that's typed it up incorrectly, or is I've read you taking ownership of that one? Thank you. Six one six seven six one. Tell you what. You better start getting your hands dirty, mate, and get your oils in the water and start paddling because we've still got an hour and a half of this show to go. 75-95, midway through the last quarter, Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Ah, well, we keep on going. Mark McGowan, the Premier, not too far away. No time to go to the toilet and get a coffee, mate. You just keep right there. Hey, Georgie Park is going to join us shortly. So, so too Trevor Nisbet. We do apologise for Eagles fans who wanted to hear from Trevor Nisbet in regards to the Eagles side of things. We've had terrible phone troubles today. But uh, we've still got plenty of guests to come, of course. We do have uh, Georgie Parker, as I said, our regular going to join us. Adam Voges from the WA cricket team, Brianna Throssell and Hamish Brayshaw will also join us as well. Roger Federer. Uh, played. He uh, he got through just, mind you. Uh, his uh, Manorino, his uh, partner, went off injured as well. And we'll be hearing from a bit more from Roger Federer because he was uh, quizzed on court post-match and had a little bit of trouble quite understanding exactly what was going on in regards to the idiom being used by the interviewer. It was a good interview, mind you, and got a great response. We won't go to that just right now, but we'll certainly be talking about that a little later when we chat with Georgie Parker. If you're a soccer fan, uh, we might be worth playing these highlights. England versus Germany, 2-0 England. They take on the Ukraine, who beat Sweden 2-1. Chris Klafunas is here in the studio. And uh, let's take some highlights before we hear from Chris Klafunas and keep an eye on the Premier Mark McGowan. And here is Harry Kane for England, and there's Jack Grealish, and here's Luke Shaw, and there for England is number 10 again, Raheem Sterling! The moment, the man! Sterling's giveaway, 
Havertz onto it. Muller's through the middle here. It's Thomas Muller for Germany. And he's dragged it wide. And England are off the hook. And here's Grealish. And there's Kane! And England reach out! A vast national embrace! A moment in time, perhaps for Gareth Southgate, the redemptive moment for which he has waited a generation. What did you make of that? Chris Clafunas talking Euro 2020. Really, really exciting game. Um, 2-0. Obviously, to England over Germany, a rivalry that's obviously gone for decades and decades and decades. Always a, a fascinating matchup. The, a time where both teams probably aren't at their best. England probably could be better, as I think I mentioned the other day, but they still managed to click and score those goals, especially when Jack Grealish came on. He's an absolute superstar. He just made things tick for England. Raheem Sterling really heavily involved. He started the play that led to their first goal, made the run into the box and got on the end of it to slot it away. Thomas Muller, though, the man who you heard in those highlights, missed his shot one-on-one with the keeper just outside the box. One you'd back him 99 times out of 100 to put away into the back of the net. He uh, slotted it wide. He's, He's missed everything. And he'll be absolutely kicking himself. Yeah, that uh, that was a bad, bad miss from Thomas Muller. But Harry Kane got on the end of it to secure the points for England. They take on Ukraine, who beat Sweden 2-1, scoring the win in the final minute of extra time. Yeah, 120 minutes. So this one really went the distance. And then it really looked like it was going to go to penalties until, yeah, really the last gasp shot just managed to go into the back of the net and send them through to the next stage. So now we're all uh, locked away with the... Next stage of the tournament, which is really exciting. The quarterfinals coming up now, which, uh, well, we won't see France in it, of course, after they got knocked out. But Switzerland, Spain, that comes up on Saturday night uh, or Friday night, midnight, I should say. Uh, Belgium, Italy. You'd think Italy are strong favourites at the moment. The way they've been playing, damn, they look good. Czech Republic and Denmark is one of the other matchups. That's on Sunday night. And uh, Ukraine and England, as you just mentioned, that's uh, that should be a real a real rip. I'm really liking what England are doing when Jack Grealish comes on. There you go, England fans. In a moment, we're going to try and get hold of the Premier live from his live stream and give you the latest. In the meantime, let's get a breakaway. This is the Sporting Goss. Eighteen away from eleven. It is a moving feast here today. Georgie Parker joins us for her regular Wednesday. We will be crashing into Mark McGowan's press conference awaiting news on any new cases of COVID here in WA and what is the state of play. Georgie, how are you travelling over there in Victoria town? Uh, oh, well, it's, a, it's a weird turn of events, isn't it, that we're out here living our lives freely. Um, so I understand that you might need to cut off early to listen to the Premier, but it's a, it's a weird kind of vibe to be having players scattering around the country to come to um, Victoria rather than going anywhere else. Yeah, it's uh, four cases or five cases in South Australia, but no major changes there. So there's a bit of a plot twist as well. So uh, we'll keep everyone posted. In regards to the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Dockers, on the same plane last night going across, plane was delayed, landed, got tested. We've just spoken to Joe Bright here from the Dockers. All test negative. They'll be back out and about training at Marvel. I think the Eagles obviously are the same. So really the focus, and very well could be, on the run home, everything should be pointing to Melbourne. A bit of payback for last year and what you endured. Yeah, well, I'm lucky I got out last year, but it's an, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, the Eagles and um, Fremantle both have such a home ground advantage over their 
at Optus Stadium. So it's going to really affect their their season hugely. Um, not only are they having to lift their their life up, I guess, within a day, um, but they're coming away and, and getting home games that are not home anymore. So it's going to be really interesting for the, the season. Um, nice, though, for the Victorian clubs to be able to mm. stay at home and spend some time at home rather than, um, you know, I guess, what, six weeks ago, it, it felt as though Victorian teams were all having to leave. So it is an ever-changing beast, as you said. Um, so nice for Victorian clubs, but it's going to be a more difficult run for the WA teams for sure. Alrighty, so some light relief now with Georgie Parker. Georgie, let's hear from Roger Federer post-match after getting through in four sets. Is it true what they say about absence making the heart grow fonder, being back here? I, I, sorry, I didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard uh, something absence and then, I don't know, my mind went blank. Is it true what they say about absence making the heart grow fonder and being back on centre court? I don't understand that saying. <laughs> <laughs> My English is not good enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So, basically, having missed out last year, having been yes. away from this place for two years, how special is it to be back here on Santa uh, Court? Yes, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> A good reminder, my English is not very good, but it's... it's better uh, than mine. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, he didn't understand it, but isn't it lovely that we that he didn't go into a spin? He wasn't nasty about it. He purely said, "I just don't understand what you're telling me." Yeah. And you've got to remember that these guys speak like eight languages, and he's having to do all these press conferences in not his native tongue. Um, I thought he might have meant he thought it meant abstinence makes a heart grow, which has a completely different connotation than absence. But um, I, I remember, so I lived in Belgium, and I. Like I said, they all speak so many languages over there. And I was talking to my housemate, and he spoke six languages. And he said to me an English word. And I go, oh, I don't think that's a word. He goes, no, that definitely is an English word. I said, no, I think you're wrong. Turns out it was, and I'm the idiot that didn't know whatever the word was. So it's pretty incredible how um, all those European, Europeans mm. can speak so well. But it's so great to be seeing him back back at Wimbledon. You know, that's his home. You know, Nadal's got the clay. He's got the, the grass. So it's so good to see him back in. Is there a more universally loved character than Roger Federer? No, I don't think there I, is. And, and I think no. uh, I think that's why we excuse him when he's having a bad day. And uh, he did yeah. get through. He did get through on four sets. He got through on an injury. Uh, can I just ask a question? Did you just pick can. up a cat? Did I? No, I'm actually... Sorry, I didn't want to tell you because you're in lockdown. I'm actually currently in lawn. And there was a kid that was crying. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in lawn in a park in the sun. And there was a kid... Just uh, had a little little fall and suddenly I'm um, to try to escape. <laughs> Didn't want to rub it in, gosh. Nah, that's okay. Georgie Parker, our guest in Melbourne, of course, and we are awaiting to hear from the Premier of uh, in regards to what's happening here with Mark McGowan. Uh, you, I've mentioned this, and I spoke to Joe Brighty, and he said he hasn't heard anything from anyone. Joe Brighty from the Fremantle Football Club, in regards to the West Australian this morning, highlighting and magnifying a, a picture that which I thought was beautiful—the great shot of the the Eagles and Dockers separated plane uh, when they were flying out last night, uh, all seated there with their masks on. Matt Tabner putting his gear up in his uh, above him in the in the baggage department, not having his mask over his nose, and the same two for Jamie Cripps. They highlighted those two shots. 
What's your view on that? And, and look, I'm not going to throw them under the bus of West Australian. A lot of people were talking about it. They decided to run with a story. Um, not too sure that they're going to get admonished for it or punished for it because it was a chartered flight and there were no members of the public. What's your thoughts? Well, it's an interesting one. I think it's, um, it's a slippery slope into these poor players who are already living in these different, harder um, restrictions than what we have. And they get put under the microscope and um, it's a little bit of this crime stopper attitude of, and I think because Adelaide got in trouble for it, but as yeah. you pointed out, that was on a public flight as opposed to a chartered flight altogether with these players that are getting tested three times a week. Um, I I don't like this pointing a finger attitude of, you know, mm. players that are worried to go and get a coffee and while they're waiting, they might sit down for three seconds and somebody snaps a picture of them because... Mm. We think as a society because they're getting paid so much money that they need to be doing this. But, you know, as long as their intention, his intention, their intentions aren't to break the rules there, you know, um, it's a big difference of to do something deliberately as opposed to something that um, just happened. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be a frustrating period because now that the Crows have been in trouble, I guess the precedent wasn't followed through with the Port Adelaide players in the swimming centre um, without their masks on in Adelaide. Yep. Um, so I, I, it's going to be interesting because I think this will happen a lot. There will be a lot of um, people trying to um, get pe- people in trouble for whatever reason. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're getting out of it to get pe- people in trouble when there's no intention to break rules. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, I understand the journalistic side of things, but I'm just not too sure whether that. I think they haven't done their. They didn't quite do their um, their groundwork, their graft and grind in regards to it. Wasn't a member of the public taking the photo? It was posted on socials. It's not yeah. ideal. It's not a great optic, and the club and the players have got to learn from it. But dared not say that there will be any punishment involved. Georgie, we've got to get a breakaway before we hear from Mark McGowan, so we might cut it short yeah. there. But we look forward to it. Stay that. safe. Enjoy Lawn. That's L O R N E, not L A W N, but enjoy that as well if you're on it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Good English lesson as well. <laughs> Georgie Parker really? joining us. Caught between a rock and a hard place. Don't count chickens before they hatch. Doing something of a drop of that. Don't judge a book by its cover by the skin of your teeth. You know what I mean. That's an idiom. It's the same as um, um, absence makes the heart grow fonder, I think. We'll get a break away. This is Sporting Goss. Three. Case 1028 did the right thing and went and got tested and quarantined on Sunday, June 27. That test returned a negative result. He subsequently developed symptoms, was retested yesterday, and has now returned a positive result. As a result of this new case, anyone who visited or worked at the Mobius Health and Performance Gym in Joondalup since Tuesday the 22nd until now, and has not yet been tested or or contacted uh, by WA Health, uh, needs to do so immediately. It's extremely important that you get tested immediately and follow all of the quarantine instructions. It's important to note that case 1028 has been in quarantine and was not expected to have been infectious in the community. This is encouraging news. It also shows the importance of the restrictions that have been in place since we reacted swiftly on Sunday. I can also confirm that as of 8pm last night, A total of 310 close contacts have been identified in this community cluster, of which 205 have tested negative so far. In addition, a total of 2,199 casual contacts have been identified, 
of which 701 have tested negative so far. It's important to highlight that nearly 1,800 of the casual contacts have been picked up through our Safe WA app. This just re reinforces how important the Safe WA app is. I encourage everyone to keep using the app or signing in wherever possible. It's important to remember the numbers of close and casual contacts will continue to rise as new cases are found and are, and are interviewed by our expert contact tracing teams and new exposure sites are added. I'd like to remind every West Australian to keep checking the exposure sites listed online. They can be found at wa.gov.au and the Healthy WA website. New locations and times are added regularly and it's important that everyone stays informed of the latest locations. I can also report that 18,255 tests were conducted yesterday, a record daily number of tests for Western Australia. That's a great number and is testament to West Australians, to West Australians dedication to doing the right thing. 43,675 tests have been done since Sunday and we need to keep it up. In addition, we had 15,196 calls to the COVID hotline yesterday, a new record. We need as many West Australians as possible to get tested, whether they've been instructed to do so, have been to an exposure site or, or are experiencing symptoms. The more people we get tested, the more confidence we can have when taking the next steps. Even if you've already returned a negative result and then developed symptoms, like case 1028, get tested again. I want to thank everyone for their patience. They are absolutely doing the right thing by getting tested. I can advise that we have additional testing capacity in the northern suburbs, including a number of drive-through clinics. I know there have been some long waits in the northern suburbs for testing. I want to thank everyone for their patience and for going out and getting tested. There is a wide range of testing locations available and they're all listed online. It's a good reminder that there are other testing locations available around the metro area with short, shorter waits. Getting tested is one of the best ways to keep each other safe and get life back to normal as soon as possible. With regards to the Northern Territory gold mine outbreak, I can confirm the 175 mine workers who were tested in WA have all returned an initial negative test and are all undertaking 14 days of quarantine. They will all be required to be tested again. All other mine workers who did arrive in WA as close contacts have now left the state. These results are very pleasing. As we know, this mine outbreak is currently causing significant problems in other jurisdictions around Australia. With regards to public schools, attendance was understandably down yesterday, similar to the lockdown last year. We want every child to get a good education. Education is an essential service and our school staff are essential workers. Yesterday, 66% of students across Perth and Peel attended school compared to 90% in the same week last year. There are understandably lower levels of attendance at those schools closer to the outbreak in the northern suburbs. Many people staying home and waiting for test results have school-aged children. Lockdowns are naturally frustrating and difficult for everyone, but they're necessary. I wouldn't do it if the health advice didn't say it was the best way to handle the current situation 
as quickly and effectively as possible. Welcome back in the second hour. Let's get straight to Trevor Nisbet, who's been kind enough to rejoin us for the umpteenth time. We've had a lot of technical problems with the phone system, but we seem to have got on top of it. Nizzy, appreciate your time, mate, and thanks for your patience. Uh, no problem, Goss. So you've been there uh, a few hours now since arriving late last night. Have uh, um, We've heard from Fremantle. They said all their tests have come back negative and they trained this afternoon. Is that the same case for the West Coast Eagles? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, we finished the testing about uh, 1.30 a.m. this morning and uh, they've all come back negative, which is, uh, which is great. And we also got tested before we left Perth. So uh, a double test in the same day and everything's <laughs> negative, which is great. It is great and very uncomfortable at the best time. How many tests would you have had personally, Niz, across the journey? Oh, I couldn't count them now, Goss. It's been, uh, look, it's been constant um, and obviously for a reason we... We need to keep our players and staff and everyone safe and, and we need to make sure that we're, we're covering off all the bases so that we can continue to keep this season rolling. One other case just been launched, uh, just a positive case have just come through from the Premier as well. So, uh, again, a, a community user of a gym up in the northern suburbs. So he was under, um, he was in uh, lockdown quarantine. So it looks like uh, things are starting to be tempered a little bit here in Western Australia, which is good for the footy in the future, possibly. Uh, just in uh, regards to... Yeah, it is great news, absolutely. Uh, just in regards to... When you're up stumps and go, you talked about how unsettling it is, but at the same time, is you're prepared for this, but not just for the playing group, but also family, friends, uh, young children, dogs, pets. I mean, there's a lot to get out the way very quickly, isn't there, when you have to go into an instant lockdown? Yeah, when you, when you, certainly when you, you've got a couple of hours' notice, you, you need to um, be prepared. I, I, I mean, I think everyone was uh, when we went into lockdown, thought this might happen. So I think people were mentally preparing themselves and, and the guys have, um, all understand. It's uh, also the staff, as you say. It's it's not just uh, the playing group, it's the staff. Everyone has to get organised very quickly and we did that and uh, got ourselves organised and and got here as did, uh, as did Fremantle. So it ended up uh, uh, a reasonable... Outcome given that uh, we had uh, pretty short notice to do it. This morning I picked up the paper and saw a photo, and a beautiful photo too, that went viral on social media of the Eagles on one side of the plane, the Dockers on the other. It was a fantastic photo, and there's Matt Tabner putting his luggage in, didn't quite have his mask over his nose. Same went for Jamie Cripps from West Coast, and it's been magnified and put in the paper, and that you might have a case to answer as a footy club, and so too Fremantle. What's your response to that? Well, unfortunately, you know, to 30. Uh, second period where the play I think the players were extremely disciplined um, yesterday um, even though masks do slip down or they or they're down for a, a 30 second period the snap was taken to see whether where the players and the uh, delineation of the players were mm. I guess um, but in the end um, you know we were we left at one uh, thirty on the bus uh, for a flight at three o'clock and didn't leave till 5.30. So we're on the bus, on the plane. It was pretty trying circumstances. But in the end, the, the players, and, and we were notifying all players, everybody, all throughout the flight, they were very disciplined and, and uh, did the right thing. So I think that's the important um, outcome. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what now for the footy club? You obviously, how long's a piece of string, isn't it? You go across there, you focus on your game, 
this weekend against Sydney down in Geelong. And it's a watch this space like the rest of the competition in regards to where to next. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, we've uh, obviously we've got to focus on playing Sydney in Geelong um, this week and then we'll, we'll work out what happens um, probably prior to that um, game. But we won't know until probably the weekend and we'll see how um, things pan out from um, the government's point of view and when we can travel, um, when North can travel for next week's game and so forth. So we won't know that till later in the week. Uh, in regards to your waffle team, of course, the waffle has been postponed uh, the whole competition because of of the situation we're currently faced. Um, with all your players over there and forever, how long they're over there? Are you concerned about your waffle team going forward in regards to player availability? Yeah, it's got to be some concern at the moment. Uh, we've, um, but hopefully, we will get back to some normality once uh, all the states and and certainly. Um, certainly between Victoria and WA uh, get everything under control and then we'll be able to have some normality and have uh, our full complement of players back uh, based in Perth. So sooner the better, hopefully next weekend and and we can get things started again. But look, that's what we're aiming for. Um, Hopefully we can work out uh, the whole situation and and the quarantine rules, etc. with... um, with the WA police and, and ensure that we can uh, we can come in and, and make sure our, our, all our players are available to play. Last one for you, Trevor. I don't want to take you back to the nightmare that was Optus Stadium on the weekend in regards to the, the result, the 55-point loss. But as Chief Executive, you, you feel the pain as a passionate Eagles man, of course, that you are. But can I ask you about the pain in the hip pocket for the footy club? Have you, have you got dollars and cents in regards to how, how much of a hit that uh, hurts the footy club when things like that happen? Look, it's uh, it's not a disaster, Tim, but it's uh, it's getting closer. Uh, look, we we lost a lot of games last year, which were catastrophic, really, for the club from a financial point of view. And now we've lost uh, two games already, so it's it's getting to that point where um, we're we're very conscious of of losing that sort of um, finance. It's about six million dollars over over the two games that we've lost. So it's it's really important for us to get some home games with crowds. Uh, it, it's something that we we want from a financial point of view, but we also owe that uh, hopefully to our members and supporters who want to get to the football and, and enjoy themselves. But we also under, understand that the government's position with the health aspect, um, because that's paramount to keep people safe. And I think with uh, the lockdown, uh, they've got on top of this pretty quickly and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we can change things over the next few days. Six million dollars in two games. Yeah, that that, that involves um, obviously the the credits that we're still owed, and uh, means there's a, a, an accumulation of uh, credits. But there's also all of our corporate support who couldn't come to the games. It's uh, signage, it's uh, scoreboard signage, it's all sorts of different things that we lose on any given match day, and. Uh, that's important for us uh, that you know the public understand that it's it's a critical part of our business and consequently once it's gone it's gone so we have to either repay people or we have to uh, find another solution and the solutions aren't great at the moment. Appreciate your time. All the very best on the weekend and we'll keep an ear and an eye out on what's next for the West Coast Eagles. Thanks for joining us and do apologise for the uh, for the the phone troubles early, but thanks for your patience, mate. 
No problem. Thanks a lot, Goss. Bye. And as Trevor is about the CEO of the West Coast Eagles, you heard it there. Two games lost in WA to the tune of $6 million. If you reckon footy clubs are there for the fun of it, for us to cheer for our footy teams, the same would go for Fremantle also. The um, financial hit pocket loss is enormous, especially when you've got huge support like the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle do. But just repeating the news from Trevor Nisbet, they haven't heard about what's happening with North Melbourne, but they are waiting to hear and hopefully we'll know before their game on the weekend in Geelong against Sydney. But just repeating the news, Trevor Nisbet telling us the West Coast Eagles have taken a $6 million hit in various forms for having two games with no crowds here at Optus Stadium. It's 11 past 11. This is the Sporting Goss. Well, we are in the middle of AFL season, of course, but we have spoken to Sean Marsh on the show about the preparation for our WA cricketers under the guidance of Adam Voges, and he's been kind enough to join us on Sporting Goss on this Wednesday. How are you coping with lockdown, great man? Good morning, Goss. Yeah, going okay, thanks, mate. Uh, just dropped the kids off at school and... Uh... Yeah, uh, another day of probably a little bit of planning and, and prep, but uh, yeah, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's a short lockdown. Before the lockdown was called, how is the preparation? I know it's only early doors, and and is it really sort of that fitness base that you're trying to put into the playing group at the moment? And and are you happy with the way that they've come back for preseason? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I think most of the guys have come back in in really good nick. Uh, we've we brought our younger guys in a little bit earlier, so they've been going for a bit longer, but had the full squad back in from from last week. So it's been nice to to see all the players back, and there's a bit of energy about the place. So in the meantime, we've we've obviously had other guys preparing for for tournaments and, and competitions around the world. We've had six Aussie guys on the plane to the West Indies, which is great, and a couple of guys up in Darwin who are going to play some cricket up there as well. So uh, we've got we've got players around the world at the moment, but uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck in with the guys who are here in Perth. When we spoke to Sean a couple of weeks ago on the sh- on the show, he he touched on a couple of the new faces that have entered the squad, who we don't know and we haven't seen at any great level apart from club cricket and probably some of the the uh, the, the Australian squads or whether they be or national squads or the underage group or whatever. Can you just shed some light on on a couple of the of the new names that you've got in your squad and what you like about them and how they earn their spot? Yeah, it's actually we've only got a couple this year. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a very similar squad to to what we've had last year, which is is exciting as well. But yeah, to be able to add, able to add a bit of young talent is always nice. And, and Cooper Connolly uh, is is one of our new rookies who comes in uh, as a seventeen year old. He's still in high school. Uh, he's still finishing off year twelve at the moment. So we'll let him do that for the next few months. But uh, yeah, Cooper's really exciting all rounder from Scarborough. Um, has been involved in the Australian under-19s team last year as, as a 17-year-old. He's a, he's a left-handed attacking batsman and, and finger spinner. And, uh, yeah, look, he's done really well. He's, he's playing first-grade cricket for Scarborough and, and certainly dominating at his, at his age level. So we're really excited to get Cooper in. And Bryce Jackson's their other new face who uh, people might not have heard of. He's, um, he's a tall kid from Albany who uh, plays at Melville, um, has all the attributes to be a really strong fast bowler. So we're looking forward to getting him into our squad and, um, yeah, it's really nice to have some new faces. And Jaden Goodwin comes back after mm. a, a year out with religious sabbatical as well. So uh, nice to have Jaden back too. Very much so. And then you've got your experienced campaigners, and Sean Marsh being one of them, and a lot of those others, as you mentioned, are, are currently on duties elsewhere. So the blend is nice. Are you happy with your leadership group and, and, and what you're expecting from them? And, and I'm sure you are for the season ahead. Yeah, I, I think we... Um, 
we talk a bit about leadership within our group and, and we'd like everyone to be leaders and, and when it's their turn to go, they stand up and, and, and they're able to do that. But, yeah, certainly our on-field leadership with, with Mitch Marsh, Sean Marsh and Ashton Tur- Turner in the Scorchers, um, yeah, we're really pleased with the leadership group that we've got and I think we do have a nice blend of, of some really ex- good experienced cricketers and some exciting talent coming through. So uh, it'll be nice to see Sean work with a couple of those younger guys throughout the pre-season and um, you can just see their eyes light up when they get to have a few nets with with Sean and, and, the, and the knowledge, I guess, that he can impart on these young kids as well. Adam Voges, our guest on Sporting Goss. We're talking about the pre-season of the WA cricket team, the cricket squads in all codes, of course. Pretty obvious one. Do you prioritise your, 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 the silverware that you chase before a season starts? I mean, we all love the Sheffield Shield. We know WA cricket is proud in its Sheffield Shield exploits. Then you've got your 50 over comp and then you've got your, your scorches element as well. I mean, you personally, what, do, you, do you put down a list of priorities or you take anything? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to win them all, obviously. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, I don't think we, we hide the fact that we, we really um, put a high, high value on the Sheffield Shield. Uh, it's something that uh, has eluded us for a, for a period of time now. And, um, yeah, it's something that certainly I know the squad are working incredibly hard to... To try and um, rectify, we, we came within a game of, of playing in the Shield final last year and I know that that still burns within the coaching group and the playing group and so um, we're, we're looking forward to hopefully taking another step forward this year. But yeah, in terms of the competitions, oh, look, I'd love to have three bits of silverware in, in, uh, in six to eight months' time uh, and be able to talk to you about it then, Goss. But um, uh, yeah, if we have to pick one, certainly the Shield is our top priority. What do you do? What did you do? I know it's easy. I mean, if we all had the, the perfect mix and the perfect recipe, what did you do wrong last year that you didn't make the Shield final? And it might not have just been one game. It might have been just a bridge too far at various stages. Or And what, have you, what do you work on and can you work on? Can you work on elements of your, your preparation and your, and your game day structures and you, the coach, in regards to how you sort of set up the the four-day game as well through the Sheffield Shield? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I think a lot needs to go right in a Shield campaign to, um, to be there right at the end. And we did do a lot of things right last year. Um, unfortunately, we had a couple of our key bowlers go down in that last game against Tasmania at the Wacker. We had Joel Paris and mm. Matt Kelly um, both injured in that game within the space of half an hour of each other uh, in the first innings of the game. So that that took a bit of the wind out of our sails in that game and unfortunately we weren't able to recover but I think you look back over the course of a season and, and, and while we did a lot of good things and I think we've become a really hard team to beat, particularly here in Perth, I think we need to take that next step and, and really start to attack games a little bit more and try and drive them from the beginning. So I think the message to the playing group this year will be to to perhaps put the game on the line a little bit more often in, and, and perhaps potentially um, risk losing the game in order to try and win it. Because we know that if we can win five Shield games, then that'll, that'll more often than not get us into a Shield final. So that, that's our goal, um, to be able to do that and, and have that a slightly more attacking mindset, I guess, so that um, we can play that really positive cricket. But as I said, um, with injury, with Australian selection, uh, with player availability, a lot of things need to go right, and we just hopefully we can get, get that mix um, at the right times. Yes, last one for you then. In your off-season, of course, you know, family, I get all that, but have you sought counsel from any other coaching leaders or people that you bounce things off, mentors? You probably don't need to share their names, but do you sort of uh, think that you're in this journey together with your assistants and the like, or do you actually seek counsel elsewhere? Uh, very much both. Uh, yeah, we, I think the the great thing, certainly about our coaching group, is at the moment, is that I think we're all 
really keen to learn and get better at what we do. Um, we bounce ideas off each other all the time, but and I think we all have our own group of mentors, and I certainly reach out to them frequently. This is a great time of year to be able to do it when we do have a little bit more time and, and we're not in the helter-skelter in the middle of the summer. So um, it's a great opportunity for me to continue to try and get better at what I do and, and try and help all our coaches do the same. But I think having that growth mindset that I certainly encourage on our players, we we try and exhibit at coaches, and, and now's a great time to be able to do that. No doubt, mate. Uh, we'll get out of lockdown shortly. I'm sure the boys will be back on deck, uh, hopefully by the weekend if all things are equal. We look forward to chatting again in the pre-season and when the season starts. Thanks for joining us this morning on Sporting Goss. No worries. Thanks, Goss. Good on you, mate. There's Adam Voges, the coach of the WA cricket team at all three uh, levels, of course, an outstanding speaker and a great leader. Let's hope they have a big year in the seasons to come. We'll take a break. Come back with plenty more. Twenty-four past eleven. Sporting Goss with you until twelve o'clock. Keep your ear and eye out on SEN. On you can get any catch-ups you like. Any of our interviews, you can get it on Sporting Goss on the podcast. Get on to any podcast provider or sen.com.au and make sure you download the app as well. I have the privilege of working at uh, once a week with a segment on the West Coast Eagles website. It's called Ask Simo, where. The fans get a chance to ask the coach a question. Of course, he had plenty on his plate after their 55-point loss to the Western Bulldogs here at Optus Stadium. This is a few minutes of R. Simo answering the questions of the Eagles fans. If you're an Eagles fan, you can always download, of course, uh, what he has to say or get on board each and every Monday. And this is what the coach had to say uh, on Monday, which has been found its way onto their socials. This is R. Simo, courtesy of the West Coast Eagles. How has the squad pulled up after that tough loss to the Bulldogs? They're hurting, um, just like we are, and I'm sure our fans and members are as well. So, yeah, really disappointing performance, really, so to get beaten by what you know. We knew they were a really hard-working, tough team, uh, good around the contest, and uh, we just didn't match them at all, really, and we're pretty lucky to be, you know, within striking distance halfway through the third. So disappointed, mate, disappointed. Okay, so the fans aren't going to, haven't shirked the uh, fans' questions this week, and we're not going to. There's a lot of them, over 200. So we've tried to select ones that have more of a common theme. How many questions do we get when we win? Oh, 20. <laughs> <laughs> the first question, no, we get a lot more than that. First question comes from Brody Tanner on Facebook. Simo, from a coaching perspective, did the late announcement that there would be no spectators impact the boys mentally going into the match, and given how impactful the home crowd is normally for getting the boys over the line in recent games? You'd hope not. Yeah, we've had, it was our third game with no crowd. So we had round one last year against Melbourne and we handled that well. We had the derby early this year. So, and that was a really good performance. So I, I look, we love our crowd and our preferences, we, we have them there. So, and we think they're part of us on game day, but when they're not there, we still got to perform. So we won't be using that at all as an excuse. Gary Langsler on Facebook asks the next question. Simo, do we have a plan B for wet conditions as it seems we do play that high possession game, whether it's wet or dry? Yeah, it's. I mean, regardless of that, winning the ball in the contest is really important in the wet. And it's no different. It's under 14s with my son's footy or it's AFL. You've got to spend a bit more time over the ball, make sure you're clean enough to get some good field position. Um, it's going to bobble around a little bit more. So there's the basic fundamentals that need to be taken care of before you even worry about ball movement. We spent a lot of time trying to get out of our back 50. So it looks like you, you've got to focus more on your ball movement, whereas we'd rather be dealing with defending our forward 50 entries. So 
Yeah, unfortunately, we spent too much time in our in our back half on the weekend. How did the 14s go? I think they had a win, yeah. Nice, well, win. That's funny. nice work by you. Well, I don't know. Quite a uh, few questions were asked about the players coming back into the team. This is from Bella on Twitter. Do you think bringing back so many at once may have thrown the balance uh, the boys had created the previous couple of weeks? That's a, that's a good question. That's the winner so far. Um, you know, Luke Shuey, our captain, has a game of waffle. Um, he's ready to play. Elliot Yeo's been back for a few weeks and, and Tim Kelly... There's the other one in our midfield. Then you had McGovern and Duggan, the sort of new inclusions last few weeks. So um, there's not too many other ways to get that match fitness. Um, you can drop them and play them in, in the reserves. But yeah, I, I thought they were ready to play and they'll tell us that they were. And the damage was done in the first quarter. So there's no excuses. And if they're putting their hand up and we pick, then we expect everyone to perform at their best. So unfortunately, we didn't as a team. But I can understand the question because we did have... And we still will have some players who are a little bit underdone for the next few weeks until we get everyone, you know, match hardened. That was Adam Simpson, courtesy of R. Simo on the West Coast Eagles. Uh, did he answer your questions right there? Peter Bell has provided us with an injury update at the Fremantle Football Club. This is what Peter Bell had to say. Nat Fife, how's he going with his shoulder? Yeah, he was really close to playing against Collingwood. We took him to Melbourne to give him up until the very last minute. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't come up for the game, but we're really confident that he'll be available uh, against Carlton. And Matt Tabiner, he obviously came off with that calf injury against the Magpies. How's he? Frustrating for Tabs. Uh, scans have indicated that it's a high calf strain. Um, usually, this would be around three to four weeks. Good news, you could have a couple of guys returning to footy this week. Ethan Hughes, firstly, with his shoulder. Yeah, Ethan's training really well and he'll be a test uh, for this week. Um, we're confident that he'll be available and the same for Hayden Young uh, coming back from that uh, injury sustained earlier this season. Um, it'll be great to have both of them back, so fingers crossed that eventuates. Peter Bell, uh, courtesy of the Fremantle Football Club and their injury update. Been a busy show, been a bit chaotic, mind you. We hopefully we've provided you with enough entertainment over the last 90 minutes. Another half hour to go. And we will take a break with news and we'll come back and we'll be chatting with Brianna Throssell, of course, who is heading her way to Tokyo, WA swimmer. We'll take some news and come back with Brianna Throssell next. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss on this Wednesday. So we've covered off the AFL, but it's time to get our focus onto the Tokyo Games. And a big part of the Australian Olympic swimming team is a good West Aussie girl, Brianna Throssell, who currently is based in Cairns, preparing for the Tokyo Games, and she's been kind enough to join us on the show. How's Ken's treating you? Look, we've only been here about 12 hours, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's great so far. <laughs> you're into lockdown? Is that what you've done? Is that, is that how um, it's all worked for you, sort of? No, so we're not in lockdown, actually. We, Cairns uh, isn't currently in lockdown, but that's sort of, yeah, we were in Townsville, and we had planned to stay there a little bit longer, but they did go into lockdown yesterday. So um, we headed up to... To, to Cairns to sort of avoid that so we can continue training. So mid-April, you decide to up stumps from WA to get across to Queensland to uh, really put your head down and prepare for the Tokyo Games. That's a big decision. You had a lot going on in WA and you, and you decided to really put everything in the one basket. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really big decision. Um, we left early April uh, knowing that, you know, potentially we wouldn't be home to mid to late August, which is a, it's a fair amount of time when... You know, the, the group that was sort of travelling, we've all got uni and um, work commitments. We've got family back, family, friends, partners back home. So it was a pretty big decision, but it was well supported by WACE and Swimming Australia and, um, 
yeah, so, and I know none of us regret the decision. It's been a really incredible experience and one that I'm sure we'll remember for years and years to come. My daughter said to me, she goes, did you know Brianna Throssell has sold her business, her dress hire business, <laughs> and, and a lot of her age group through that sort of age 18, 19, 20 uh, have used uh, West Coast Hire, of course, and you you basically decided to sell that business. Was that was that a decision based purely on swimming or was that, was that a business decision? Um, it was a bit of both. It's not actually sold just yet. We're still in the process of um, of selling it. But, yeah, it is sort of on the market. And uh, I guess about three, four, yeah, probably about three weeks ago, I decided that it, it was time to sell. I, you know, I'm really happy how it's grown, mm-hmm. how I've established it. But, um, it, yeah, I think, yeah, I really want to focus on swimming and get my degree done. So I would love someone to take it over with as much passion and as, and, and as much enthusiasm as what I've, what I have like put into it and yeah, how, how it's been established. Yeah. Well, they swear by it. So well done to you. Well done to you. Uh, Thank ma- you. Yeah. May I ask then about the swimming? How did you go at the trials? Obviously you've got yourself a ticket to Tokyo. Did it all go according to plan? Mostly. Yeah. So yeah, I did book my spot mainly in the Tunja butterfly, but I will get to Nahundra butterfly and I'll be putting my hand up for a few relays as well, but they sort of won't be decided until, you know, a few days before we sort of start racing them. So the 200 fly, and I know you just missed the 100 flies. So can you give our listeners yeah. an idea of how that, how you still get into the team as an individual swimmer in the 100? So I was under the FINA. So I missed the Australian qualifications gotcha. by 0.01, but I'm still under the FINA A time. So, which means I'm still eligible to race it if I was picked on the team for, say, a relay or another race. I would sure. still be able to race it. Brianna Throssell, our guest, you're going to Tokyo. Outstanding swimmer, of course, and currently based in Queensland. And now, just as you mentioned at the top of the interview, we are currently in Cairns with a lot of the rest of the team. So, your form, and I, you know, maybe I just, just talked about not quite ticking all the boxes through the trials. Was that disappointing or was it something that you know you've got time to build on and we're still happy with your form? Yeah, I was still really happy with my form. I, I mean, my freestyle, um, maybe, you know, it was, it was. I was hoping to go a little bit faster in those races, but, you know, I'll still put my hand up for a relay and, mm. you know, it'll be up to the coaches to sort of decide. But, yeah, after trials, I still have five weeks to see what I can do and I know it's sort of been head down since we, um, since we finished racing, getting ready for Tokyo. So do you ramp it up now, Brianna? Do you ramp up preparation? Where do you taper off? Can you, again, give our listeners an idea what a, what a swimmer uh, will be doing in the next five weeks before going to Japan? Yeah, so it's actually, it's a pretty tough turnaround, to be honest. Like we, uh, previously for Rio, we raced in April and then, you know, we didn't race till August. So we were able to, you know, just have a few days off just to reset and really slowly build back in. But we couldn't do that at all this time. So I think we had maybe two days out of the water and then we were straight back into it, you know, um, because we were racing in five weeks' time and we need to do another taper, we had to just get straight back in. So the first week was sort of a build back to, you know, our normal training capacity. Um, mind you, like it was still, you know, every session was still like above mm. 5K. But, um, yeah, so we're, at, you know, sort of this week and next week will be our hardest uh, or our highest intensity and our longest sort of volumes. And then from the end of next week, we will start slowly pulling back in, in prep start racing again second games for you 2016 Rio that's a long time ago in swimming language I would imagine a long time in anyone's 
business and a lot's happened since then. So tell me, yeah. tell me in regards to are you a better swimmer? Are you a better mentally, physically? I mean, how important will that Rio experience be for you in Tokyo? Oh, I think, you know, I've, yeah, grown a lot as a swimmer and confidence-wise and that sort of thing. So for sure, I, I feel like I've, you know, sort of coming to Tokyo a lot more prepared than I was for Rio, both physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. So, and, but, you know, it is sort of that first games experience is a huge thing. And I know I'll be definitely taking that through to Tokyo. Mm. A very different team. I look at, you know, the, the you know, you see the Campbells and you see Mac Horton, you see a lot of the familiar names, but, you know, swimmers come and go and they go through phases in their career. And I, and I noticed that happens with the Australian swim team. So there's a lot of new faces. Can you give us an idea of some of the uh, changes to the team since, since Rio? Not so much personnel, but just, yeah, yeah. you know, just the age group yeah. and, the, and the makeup of the group. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of, uh, I think we've got, seven rookies on the team this year, which is like, it is so exciting. I think that's one of the biggest increases. Um, so a rookie is someone who makes their Australian team for the first time. Um, but yeah, it's so exciting. We've got two um, two young freestylers, Meg Harris and Molly O'Callaghan, and they um, they train with Ariane and they are, they are so good and they've really come on in the past few years. So it's really exciting to see them continue to improve. And, uh, you know, we've got Matt Temple, who's just, um, sort of come out of the woodworks. He was on the 2019 world team, but, you know, he qualified in an individual spot in the 100 free, the 100 fly, the 200 fly. So he's a really incredible all-round swimmer. So, yeah, it's so exciting to see all of these sort of these new faces who are, um, you, you know, developing and, yeah, will continue to get stronger and stronger with the years to come. As a 25-year-old, do you feel like you're in the middle of the age bracket inside that group or do you feel like you're a bit of an oldie? Oh, I would say I'm a little bit older than the middle-aged group. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like in, in Rio, I was like, yeah, I guess one of the younger ones on the team. But now, yeah, five years later, I'm 25 and yeah, probably creeping my way up there, I guess. Ah, very good. Now, the focus of the group, everyone's on the same on the same plane, if you know what I mean. Everyone's in it for the long haul and understands what, what's at stake. Oh, absolutely. I mean... We are where the whole team is just so excited that we are able to race. I think that was the biggest thing is that, you know, last year it was postponed and we weren't sure if it was going ahead, but, you know, we are all prepared to do whatever we can to get in and out of Tokyo as safely as possible, ensuring that the Japanese public are also, um, you know, well looked after and safe and we're not sort of, you know, causing too much drama around, yeah. <laughs> how the games are going to go and that sort of thing. Yeah. Just on restrictions, just in summary, when you go to there, are you allowed to go and watch? I know there's limited crowd numbers at some events, or is it really just go, swim and get out? Is that the plan? To be honest, I'm not sure if we're allowed to go and see other sports. Mm. I know we're not sort of allowed to be out out in the public sort of area, at you know, restaurants and that sort of thing. Sure. But um, as yeah, I'm really not too sure about other sports. I'm sure that information will sort of will be told that sort of thing in in a few weeks so when do you actually get on a plane and go when do you uh, when do you land what, what's the plan outside of australia <laughs> um so we leave two weeks saturday so i think it's saturday the 17th of july and go. that's our date into tokyo okay. we start racing on the 24th 
and then we must be out of there on the 2nd of August back into hotel quarantine for two okay, weeks. Great. All right. And how do you, uh, just the last one for you, Brianna Throssell, our guest, going to the Tokyo Games, a, a wonderful WA swimmer, a wonderful representation of WA athletes in all sports. But, of course, uh, swimming is a prominent one that we all do love. Uh, just in regards to sort of uh, reconnaissance of the opposition, as a swimmer, do you take notice of what the others are doing? Does that change anything you do in the pool on race day? Do you worry about speeds? Do you worry about techniques? Do you worry about what lane they're in? Or is swimming as it looks for the best part when you're in an individual event an individual focus? Yeah, it's very much individual focus. I feel like if you started worrying about, you know, if someone else, you know, swam the front end on the end of their race or the back end of their race you know if you started getting caught up in someone else's race plan you just sort of throw your own out the door and you know you need to work to your strengths and your technique and that sort of thing so yeah it, we are very focused on ourselves when it comes to our opposition on race day are your last one are your personal best time chaser or you are medal chaser what's the plan for brianna thrust well, in tokyo personal best and race execution great well that's perfect then the rest will follow Hopefully. <laughs> Good on you. Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking our call. Um, I know you've been incredibly busy with all the changes and the movement out of Townsville and getting to, to Cairns and, <laughs> and everything else. Uh, look, great chat. All the very best. We do follow uh, our, our WA athletes very uh, strongly here on, on SENWA, and you're a big part of that. Yeah. All the very best in the build-up, and good luck in Tokyo. Thank you so much. Good on you. Thanks. Brianna Bye. Throssell joining us, of course, heading across to Tokyo. Outstanding swimmer, outstanding young lady, and I've got big – Plans, or I think she's got big plans, and I think she's very understated in regards to her chances over there. And that's, uh, I think, that's humble as she is. We'll take a break. We'll come back. This is Wednesday's edition on SENWA Sporting Goss. Talking waffles with Waffle Eagles captain Hamish Brayshaw and the waffle season on hold. This weekend's fixtures postponed because of the COVID situation, and the fact is that the Eagles and Dockers have had to take full squads to Melbourne for who knows how long. But one man who is in town, but still a little bit cock-a-hoop after back-to-back wins, is the skipper of the Eagles Waffle. Thanks for joining us, mate. How are you feeling a couple of days on from another win? Yep. Morning, Goss. Thanks for having me back. Uh, No, very, very good. Back-to-back wins for the first time in since I can remember. But, uh, (laughs) no, feeling very, very good. I mean, obviously it's all on hold and and things are uncertain at the moment, but we're still still anticipating a full season once... You know, after this week, so we just we, we reviewed the game as normal and, and took a lot out of the win. But uh, yeah, back to back, we're uh, we're very very happy. You take a lot out of the win. The fact is, you certainly were boosted by again, you know, a fairly hefty AFL listed combination. But again, we go back through this. You've also had to push through with virtually <laughs> two or three at times AFL listed players. Yep. So you take the good with the bad. Uh, what is what is good about it? What was so good about what's going on at the footy club right now at the waffle level? Um, oh, I mean, the AFL list is so healthy that we just get players back. And I mean, I've had this conversation with a few people, but that's the nature of our team. I mean, we're the West Coast Waffle. So when the health, when we have good health at AFL level, we're going to have a pretty strong Waffle team. We've, we lost to East Freo by 120 points or something at the start of the year. So, I mean, it cancels itself out when, you know, you have weeks with not enough, you have weeks with a few. So it all sort of works out in the end. But I think for us, get, having these guys back, it just gives good reward for effort for the guys that... You know, battle away each and every week. Like you had Kieran Hug on last week. You know, he's put in so much work and he's finally getting a bit of reward for it, which is, I think, really, really good for their confidence and, and good for our sort of culture as a club. Um, 
but yeah, I think it just gives us a, yeah, it gives us a good um, platform to develop these young players uh, coming through the AFL. But it also just makes the competition competitive. I mean, you don't want as much as it's you know, if, if you're another waffle club, you might want an easy four points. But it's it's not much fun going out and beating a team by 120 points every week. And so I think if we can be competitive, we're not going to win every game. With even if we do have you know 12, 13, 14 AFL guys in. Um, we're going to be competitive and it's going to be good football to watch. So I think that's probably the best thing about having this healthy list is a more balanced and competitive competition. You talk about Kieran Hagen, as you mentioned. Yeah, did have him on the show last week and we chatted briefly about him and he sort of sums up that sort of next tier waffle top-up player, so to speak. But now he's kicked eight goals in, in three good performances, hasn't he? He's become a little bit of a... Uh, probably when you look at the opposition are trying to stop their the more uh, well-known group of of AFL list of players inside your group, it is a chance for talented people who aren't on their radar to get under their guard. And he's done that three weeks in a row. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was, uh, you speak about our MO players. He was, a, he was a waffle player. He played, funny, well, he played a few waffle games at first and then he just went up and played country footy. Mm. So it's not like he was, an, he's not like he's unknown to this level. He's played waffle footy before. Um, and yeah, he's had a couple of really good last uh, last few games. He kicked, he got hot last week and kicked three goals in a quarter, I think, three goals in the third. But no, he's a really talented player, and and it is true when we get these guys back. You know, we've got um, Jared Gall at the forward line. You get guys like Jermaine Jones come down there, and and they've got to be watching out. You know, other teams are watching out for these guys. Guys like Huggy can go under the radar a little bit and, and kick a couple pretty quickly. But no, he's he's a talented player, and uh, and whenever when he does get those opportunities, he's, he's taken them the last few weeks. So. Now, fingers crossed he keeps doing it and flying under the radar because yeah, there could be more. 100%. And the song wasn't sung with as much gusto. It was still sung well. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't lackadaisical and yep. you certainly weren't, you know, you know, just getting ahead of yourselves. But you were a little bit more subdued, uh, Hammer. Yeah, gosh, I was still catching my breath from the week before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, look, I think you can't... You win by five points pretty much on the siren against Subiaco. That's a... Uh, that's something to really sing about. This one, we sort of knew we were going to, you know, with the start of the last quarter, it was the game sort of was a bit, um, the game died sort of in the last quarter. You knew you were going to win, I think, going into it, um, sort of that last quarter when, you know, the pressure was off the game. So you, you, it takes a bit of the excitement out of the song. And uh, But yeah, I, I think I just got caught up in the emotion of singing that Subiaco one. I still had a crack at the, uh, still had a go at the one on the weekend. It definitely is good to get a win, but uh, yeah, caught, caught up in the wave a little bit on the Subiaco win. Of course, you are an employee of the West Coast Eagles as well in the community department. Uh, can I just ask you, yep. what's it like at the footy club with that mass exodus yesterday of the playing group? Well, we're uh, everyone's at home at the moment, working through, with, through lockdown. But uh, I was uh, there was a, meant to be a COVID test yesterday morning at the club, uh, but I got a quick call saying, "Hey, mate, things are uh, things are pretty chaotic here." But I had a message from a few of the boys saying, "Yeah, it was just all over the place." And the same thing goes with Andrew. Um, Andrew was over at Freo, and they they all got the call yesterday morning just saying, "Oh, you're in, but we got to go. Go home, pack your bags. We, we're leaving." So, yeah, it would have been pretty uh, pretty tough. And I think it's pretty bare bones there at the moment, but. Um, they've taken the whole squad. I think a lot of the all the football staff are away. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, much like it was last year when we were away. I don't think there'll be many people there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when we go back next week. Alrighty, watch this space for the waffle return and keep an eye on the waffle website and also that of all your waffle clubs if you are a waffle fan. Appreciate your time, Hammer. Um, have a good day off. I think. Yeah, thanks, Goss. Will do. You too. Thanks for having me on. Hamish Bayshaw, Waffle Eagles captain, and he does talk about all things waffle as well. He's a good media talent. He's got a bright future, that Bayshaw name. I think they might be going some places. We'll take a break and come back. This is the Sporting Goss.
Port Adelaide and Adelaide are making their way to Victoria. No teams are going to be left in any other state but Melbourne for now. So the AFL competition, all 18 teams are there. We spoke to Trevor Nisbet earlier on the show about the cost of losing games here at Optus Stadium. This was his stunning response. Can I ask you about the pain in the hip pocket for the footy club? Have you, have you got dollars and cents in regards to how, how much of a hit that uh, hurts the footy club when things like that happen? Look, it's, uh, it's not a disaster, Tim, but it's, uh, it's getting closer. Uh, look, we, we lost a lot of games last year, which were catastrophic, really, for the club from a financial point of view. And now we've lost uh, two games already. So it's, it's getting to that point where um, we're, we're very conscious of, of losing that sort of um, finance. It's about $6 million over, over the two games that we've lost. So it's, it's really important for us to get some home games with crowds. Uh, it, it's something that we, we want from a financial point of view, but we also owe that uh, hopefully to our members and supporters who want to get to the football and, and enjoy themselves. But we also under, understand that the government's position with the health aspect, um, because that's paramount to keep people safe. And I think with uh, the lockdown, uh, they've got on top of this pretty quickly and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we can change things over the next few days. Six million dollars in two games. Yeah, that that, that involves um, obviously the the credits that we're still owed, and uh, means there's a, a, an accumulation of uh, credits. But there's also all of our corporate support who couldn't come to the games. It's uh, signage, it's uh, scoreboard signage, it's all sorts of different things that we lose on any given match day, and. Uh, that's important for us uh, that you know the public understand that it's it's a critical part of our business and consequently once it's gone it's gone so we have to either repay people or we have to uh, find another solution and the solutions aren't great at the moment. Trevor Nisbet, the CEO of the West Coast Eagles. Hey, just a quick one: zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. You can text us anytime. Love to know if you know a local sporting family. Now they might be big time, they might be headline makers. Well, you know a sporting family, the dad, the mum, the kids, a sporting family with some skills, thanks to the wonderful team at Maccas. Celebrate with the Mac family at Maccas. I'm loving it. The Mac family has arrived at Maccas. Free limited edition glass with every medium or large Mac family meal. Sporting family. Do you know a local sporting family? Let us know. 0487 736 736. Chaotic day, big day. Thanks to Alex for pushing the buttons. Thanks to Chris Clafunas. Back tomorrow from 10. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.